Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. It's good to see everyone, and um, I hope you're enjoying this beautiful spring weekend. It was interesting watching the Masters yesterday. I love this time of year, you know, kick back in the recliner, watch the ma- Masters during a blizzard. Um, great weather we, we're having, but it's going to be beautiful uh, today. Um, we want to welcome those online joining us as well. Thanks so much for tuning in today, um, and please join in and participate online a- as you watch today. Now, today um, is Palm Sunday. We'll be talking about that a little bit. Next week is Easter, and you can help us by inviting people. Uh, Caleb mentioned earlier uh, that, yeah, invite as many people as you can. We have these invite cards at each door. After today or after next week, they're not any good, right, because the, the date's on it, everything. So that means we need to get rid of all of these today, and we've got a bunch. So take as many as you can with you. Put them out at your place of business. Share them with friends, family, coworkers, your fellow students, anybody, just to let them know about our service times and what we're doing next week. We, that would help us a lot. Um, share on social media. We've got some posts going there that you can share on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, you can help us by letting people know there's an event on Facebook. If you click that you're going on it, it shows your friends. All those are ways are just to help us get the word out. And the, the reality is people are more likely to go to a service if they are invited. And at Easter, people are open to, to go into church. People that that haven't been in a long time, uh, there's something about Easter, there's something about Christmas, there's something about Mother's Day, right? That people will say, we need to be in church today. And, and so let's take advantage of that and invite people to join us for that. Um, today is Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. Palm Sunday remembers the arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem for the, the, the Jewish feast of Passover. And so Jesus, as we know the story, he rode into Jerusalem. He was greeted by a large crowd with palm, branch, palm branches, and they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes to the, in the name of the Lord. And, and they're, they're, they're saying, save us, is literally what they're saying. Come and save us. They're, they're, they're thinking, this is the time that the Messiah will come and will uh, kind of overthrow the Roman rule and Roman oppression and, and, and save us. And that's what they were looking for. Now, we know the story. We know uh, that just a week later, they would turn their back on him. And the same crowd that shouted, Hosanna, to the son of David would shout, crucify him. Now, there's an interesting story in Luke 19 as Jesus came in, as he was coming into Jerusalem from the the Mount of Olives. um, And he said this, he said, um, verse 41, as he came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead, he began to weep. And he went on to say, how I wish today that, that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your wall and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Now, what's interesting here is he wept over the city. He saw Jerusalem. And the first thing we see from Jesus is that he had compassion over the people. We talked about this last week, about the compassion of God. He's looking at the temple and knowing that in less than 40 years, the temple would be destroyed by the Romans. 
What we see here is just that example of the love and compassion of Jesus. He looked at it and he was longing for the people in Jerusalem to know who he was, to recognize him, to understand why he came. Now, in about two weeks, um, actually in 10 days, Jennifer and I are getting on a plane flying to Israel. We're going on a trip there. We're so excited about this. Uh, we'll be able to see and, and uh, many of these same sites. And um, one of the interesting things is the, the southern stairs there in the Temple Mount. You get to walk and see the very stairs and streets that Jesus walked upon. And they're still there uh, this, this many years later, 2,000 years later. And so, uh, you know, I, I think about that from the Mount of Olives to the Temple Mount to the southern stairs and the western wall and all this in Jerusalem. Jesus is looking upon it. And, and he's seeing the people, and he's just wishing and hoping that they would come to know him as who he really is. Now, the reason I, I think uh, we're, you know, I look at us today, and, and I wish that we would have that same type of compassion for the city that we live in. And I just want to ask you for, for a minute, when was the last time you looked out over Galax, the Twin County areas, and you wept for the people that don't know God? You see, I think we get so busy and kind of caught up in life that we forget about our neighbor sometimes. And that's a big reason we're doing this series, How to Bless Your Neighbor. Uh, this is kind of the final week of the series. We've been working through this acronym. This is based on a book from Dave Ferguson, uh, a pastor up near Chicago. Uh, called Bless. He wrote a book called Bless. And it, this whole series has been about how we can, in, in simple, everyday uh, ways of life, we can get into a rhythm of blessing other people. And, and so often we say, hey, I'll share my faith if I get the chance to. I, I would share my faith if someone asked me about it. But the problem is, is when we think like that, it never really happens. When we aren't actively looking for the opportunities to share, it just doesn't happen. Let me walk you through this, uh, this acronym. We talked the first week how we begin with prayer. We join God in His work. We ask Him to lead us to open our eyes to spiritual opportunities. We begin with prayer. Then we listen. We just start listening, and, and instead of always talking, we actually listen. We can ask questions. We, we come to know and understand the people around us, and we look for opportunities and ways to bless them. We eat with them. Now, this is my favorite of the five. We actually you know, can use eating as a way to reach people for Jesus. And taking someone out for a meal, uh, uh, you know, sitting down for, for supper. Jesus constantly was ministering around a table. And, and so just this act of, hey, let's go grab coffee together. Hey, let's go grab a meal together. And, and sitting and listening and, 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 and sharing together. And that can lead us to seeing opportunities to where we can serve. Where we can meet physical or spiritual or emotional needs of the people around us. And these first four practices, I think most of the people, I mean, you'd say, okay, I can get on board with that. Uh, these aren't that hard to carry out because there's stuff that we're already doing in everyday life. But, but bless isn't complete until we get to this final S. And that is when we get to sharing our story. And most of us hold back and I think it's because we, we have that feeling, I know I should say something, but I'm not really quite sure when or what, or I don't know what to say. 
I'm not really, we just get that, that voice in our head that says, maybe you, you shouldn't. And we listen to those lies instead of trusting God to give us the words to speak. And, uh, you know, I, I think we often hold back from sharing because we think, oh, I just don't have what it takes. I'm just not the right person. Someone else can handle this for me. We think sharing our story is only for the super religious people. We think it's only those who are ministers or those who are better than we are. And we're just normal, everyday people. I want you to remember, right, who were the disciples? These 12 guys that turned the world upside down, were they the super scholarly religious people? They were everyday people, fishermen and tax tax collectors and the sinners and the outcasts of the day, the uneducated idiots, as, as they were called. And these were the people, right, that Jesus used. So don't ever say, hey, well, someone else could do it for me. Uh, I'm, you know, or maybe you think, oh, I don't have the answers. I, I'm a pastor. I don't have all the answers, right? You're not going to have all the answers. It's all right. What people want to know is that you care, that you listen, um, and, and that you're interested, and then working together, you can go and find those answers. And, and maybe there's something else holding you back. Um, I've shared before, uh, and y'all know, I'm, I'm a little bit of an introvert um, sometimes, and, and so I'm pretty comfortable having one-on-one talks with people, and, uh, but I'm not like a huge people person. I don't like large crowds. Uh, I don't like, yeah, just, you know, just, just kind of who, how I'm wired. And, and why is that? For me, I think it, I can trace it back a little bit. Um, I've shared a little of this, maybe not in, in a long time, but growing up, um, I had a really bad speech problem. So like bad enough, like when you go to the, the school and they're like, we can't help you. You need to get professional help. I mean, and so from the time I was like in like first grade all the way to sixth grade, I had a professional speech therapist I worked with. And so this is kind of, you know, and back growing up in the 70s and 80s, um, all this anti-bullying stuff didn't exist. It was kind of survival of the fittest. You know what I mean? And so as a kid, um, if you couldn't talk plain, and I couldn't pronounce my words, I talked too fast. And so like everybody, I mean, it was just like one of the people would stop me in the hall. And, you know, this is thinking back now, it was kind of mean. But back then, I mean, it was just what everybody did. Was, oh, say something for, for me. Just say something. Listen to this kid. You know, that, that was me growing up. Um, and so just isn't that God's got a sense of humor that now I get up and speak every week? Isn't that crazy? But what that taught me as a young age is to keep my mouth shut, right? Just to keep to myself. And so I was the kid that went through school, did well in school, and, but I didn't say a lot. Kind of sat, in, and when I could, I sat in the back of class, kept my, you know, did my work, turned it in. I did it through high school. I got to college, did the same thing. I would find a seat in the back of the class, never raise my hand, never talk, just, and I think it was, I was conditioned a little bit, just, hey, that's just, just, you don't need to talk. Even though I'd overcome those speech issues, um, that was just kind of my wiring, is, and, and, and so my, my natural inclination then is to, to be quiet, not to speak up, not to share, just to kind of, to fade into the background. And so if I continue to buy into that lie that you don't, no one wants to hear you, you're going to get made fun of, or you don't have something to say, right? What that does, it hinders me from being used by God when he gives me opportunities. 
So it's something I've had to, to, to fight against, really, uh, my whole life. Um, and, and so I just share that for many of you, the reasons you don't share your faith, they may be deep rooted. They may go back a long time. It may be you could trace it all the way back to your childhood. But we have to be able to identify those so we can overcome them. Right. We, we have to be able to look back and understand why it is that we're afraid to share. And in Matthew chapter 10, um, this is what Jesus says. And in, in this particular verse 19 and 20. Um, in this particular case, he's talking about when you're arrested, but you could apply this to any time. He says, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. So when we start talking about sharing our faith, guys, this is what I want you to remember. It's not all on you, right? This is God speaking through you. This is God empowering you, giving you the words to say right when you need it. And I've experienced this so many times. When God just says, hey, you need to say this. I'm like, oh, why? Oh, okay. You just trust him. And it's amazing how conversations will open up to you and you will have opportunities to share about Jesus. And that's really what we want to talk about today. Um, here's the first point. I, if you're following along, the, the sermon notes are in the YouVersion Bible app. Um, uh, they're online as well. If you're watching on live.mycornerstone.org. Uh, here's the first thing I want you to know this morning. God calls you to be faithful and fruitful. He calls us to bear much fruit. He calls us to be faithful. He calls us to trust Him. He calls us to tell other people about Jesus. He calls us to go and make disciples. And so... Uh, this is not something that as believers, we just go and say, okay, I, coming to church, that's the extent of my Christian life. No, there's more to it. We walk with Jesus. We follow Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is gathering the, the disciples, this is what he told them. He called out to them and he said, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. I will make you fishers of men. All right. A familiar passage, you've heard this. We're called to be fishers of men. Now, my son Drew, he's here. Uh, he loves fly fishing. He's an absolute, he, he is like gone crazy over fly fishing. Um, and so the thing about fly fishing is, um, is it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of skill, right? And so you can go and you, and, and he doesn't like these stocks. He likes the native, you know, the brook trout and the rainbow trout and the, uh, the brown trout. All, I mean, he likes the, he, he likes these, these streams that no one else goes to. And so he'll go sometimes. I'm like, did you catch anything? He's like, ah, I caught one today. And I'm like, you were out there six hours. And then sometimes he comes back and he's caught 10 or 12. And, uh, and, and, you know, sometimes they're little and sometimes they're big. But there's a battle here, right? It, it's a, it's a, you're, you're trying to figure out, you'll try one type of a fly. And if they don't take that fly, you, you pull it back in, you change it, and you try something else. And, and you're trying to, to, to outwit the, the, the fish there. Um, and so here's the thing, though. A true fisherman, even when the fish aren't biting, what do they do? They keep casting. Keep throwing that line out over and over and over again. Reeling up, throw it out, reel it in, right? That's what a true fisherman does. And there's going to be times that you have incredible results, and there are going to be times when you have no results. Um, but it's part of the process. 
And if we're called to be fishers of men, what does that mean? That means that, some, that we're constantly casting out that line. We're constantly sharing our faith with the others around us. There are going to be times when people respond. There are going to be times when people hear it uh, and, and they say, okay, uh, tell me more about this Jesus. There are going to be times when people hear us share about our faith and, and say, oh, I, I would love to come to church with you. And there are going to be times when you cast that line out and nothing. Like radio silence. So there's just complete nothing there. And so I just share that because if we're called to be fishers of men, it means we are to be faithful in doing what God has called us to do. To go and make disciples. To go and tell people about Jesus. It takes all kinds of people, though, to reach all kinds of people. And the reality is if you just depend on me on Sunday morning to share about Jesus There are a whole lot of people that I'll never have contact with. But if you take everybody in this room, the people you come into contact with on a weekly basis, this is the difference between addition and multiplication, right? When everybody in this room starts sharing your faith and telling others about Jesus, you talk about transforming a community, transforming your state, transforming your world. That's how it happens. When we each understand this mission that God has given us. In Romans chapter 10, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, we, we, we know this, this verse. We've heard it. Uh, this is right after, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe on your heart that God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. This, this passage. But we don't often keep going. And if you keep going in Romans 10, 14, there's this verse. It says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Okay, are you making the connection here? Who is the someone that's going to tell them? That's you and me. That's our role. That's our responsibility to go and tell as many people as we can. How will people come to know Jesus if we never tell them? If we never tell them. If we really believe what we've found in Jesus is good news, why wouldn't we share it with others? To keep it to ourselves, it would be like hoarding bread while everyone else around us is going hungry. In fact, there's, a, there's an old saying I've heard in church forever. It said, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. Have you heard that? One beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. That's what, that's what we do. It's not like we're up here on our high pedestal telling everyone else. Uh, no, we're just recognizing that just like everyone else, we're a sinner. We need Jesus too. We need Jesus' forgiveness too. The words we speak can point people to the hope that they need. Pastor Charles Stanley put it this way. He said, God's plan for enlarging his kingdom is so simple. One person telling another about the Savior. Just remember, someone's eternal destiny is at stake. The joy you'll have when you meet that person in heaven will far exceed any discomfort you felt in sharing the gospel. Think about that for a minute. The joy that you meet when you meet someone and they say, hey, you're the one that told me about Jesus. I want you to think for a minute. How did you learn about Jesus? Was it a parent? Was it a co-worker? Was it a friend? Who told someone at some point in your life had to tell you about Jesus? Had to explain the gospel to you. Now, it, 
the, the, the reality is God was using them. God was giving them the words to speak. But you're here as a result of God using them and God speaking through them. You can be that person for someone else. God can use you uh, to, to, to do that. To illustrate this, I, I want to look in, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 9. We have a story uh, about a guy who was put in a situation where he had to tell about what happened to him. He was asked, okay, what happened to you? And, and I love how simplistic his answer was. But as we kind of look at this story, Jesus was walking along. He saw a man who had been blind since birth. And so we don't know his name. We only know that he's blind. We do know, though, we learn a little bit later in verse 8, uh, that we learn here that he was a man who used to beg. Uh, he used to sit and beg. Um, and 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 he, we just see that in verse 8, that he, 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 this was a guy that didn't have a good reputation. He, he, just, he, he just sat there and begged people. He was a beggar. He... He was someone that everybody just passed by and, and, and you know, they didn't really show a lot of compassion towards. Um, and, John, and back up to verse 6, we see what Jesus did about it. And this is kind of the gross part in verse 6. We'll put it up here. He spit on the ground. He made mud with the saliva. He spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now, there's a pastor not long ago I saw uh, online that he actually did this. He brought a guy up on stage, spit, and made it up and like, stuck it on the guy's eyes. I'm not going to do that because this kind of grosses me out just to think about it. Doesn't you? I mean, this is like the grossest story in, in the Bible here, I think. Uh, okay, if you want to heal someone, why do you have to spit on them? You know, he does this and he puts this, uh, and the guy's thinking, okay, this guy has got to be crazy. What is he doing to me? Now, I, I'm, think it's, it, I'm thinking it's good that this guy was blind because I don't know that a, a person that could see would let Jesus do this, right? I, I'm thinking this is, I don't think he would have been very cooperative. Um, I don't know that I want someone slobber in my eyes, but he, he did it. And he followed along. In verse 7, we'll show it. He told him then to go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Uh, so the man went and washed and came back seen. And so the guy, he, he plays along. He goes along with what Jesus is doing here. And, and, you know, this guy, you know, we see this happen. And then he just starts going and telling everybody about what just happened. Uh, I think verse 11 I've got up here, uh, too. Uh, he told them. Uh, people are asking him. And, and then the, the religious leaders are coming and, and, and find him. And, and see, Jesus was in trouble because he healed on the Sabbath. And they're like, that's work. You know, they, they made up their system of rules and regulations. And one of the things you couldn't do, you couldn't heal on a Sunday because that was considered you were to be working on Sunday. Um, and so they find this man. They're like, okay, what happened to you? Who did this? They're trying to get Jesus in trouble. And he told them, the man that they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me to go wash to the pool of Siloam. So I went and washed and now I can see. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. He's, he's excited. He's telling everybody about what happened. Um, and, and then they're, they're, the Pharisees are still trying to trap him. Skip down to verse 24. In uh, verse 24, for the second time they called into the man who had been blind and told him God should get the glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner. They're saying there's no way Jesus could have done this because he's a sinner. 
Look who he hangs out with. Look who he's around all the time. And verse 25 is what I love about this passage. I don't know whether or not he's a sinner, the man replied. But I know this. I was blind and now I see. This man did not understand what exactly had happened to him. He didn't have all the answers. But he could testify to the fact, I've been changed. I don't have all the answers. But I know it was Jesus. And I know I was blind, but now I can see. When we get around to sharing our faith and telling others about Jesus, we may not understand all the details. But here's what we can say. I know Jesus, and I know he changed me. I know what I was like before Jesus, and I know what has happened since then. And so when we share our story, um, we look at when Jesus calls us to go and make disciples, he established this purpose, this pattern for our lives, for every church, for every person to go and tell the good news to all the world. And so uh, when we tell our story, what we're doing is we're sharing what God has done. We may not be able to fill in all the pieces, but what we can tell is what my life was like before Jesus. So there's kind of three parts here. Uh, I'll put it on the screen. If you share your story, there's three parts. It's not complicated. This whole series has been, it's simple. It just takes, your, your, it just takes intentionality, right? You, tell, you can tell your story just simply, here's my life before Jesus. Now, when we tell your story before Jesus, uh, what was your life like before you met him? Or if you grew up in church knowing all about Jesus, what was your life like before you got serious about following him? Your story begins with who you were. What were your attitudes, your thoughts, your actions? Now, for some of us, we have a, you, know, you may have a pretty dramatic testimony. Uh, you may have got into some bad stuff. And I, I, I love uh, what one pastor told me. He's like, you don't want to give the, the devil too much credit when you tell the story, right? People can fill in the, the missing pieces. When you say, you know, I got into a lot of stuff I shouldn't have. I did. You don't have to brag about all the bad stuff you've done. But all of us have a history. All of us have a past. There's a, your life before Jesus. And the second part is how you met Jesus. Uh, this is who introduced you. How did that happen? Did someone invite you to church? Did someone tell you about it? How, what is that part of your story where you came to know who Jesus was and what he had done for you? And you put your faith and your trust in him to save you. Um, and so this is an important part of all of our stories. Now for me, I still remember when I put my faith in Jesus, it was when a youth pastor cared enough about me to tell and explain the gospel to me. It was in 1985 when he sat down and explained to me, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I don't know what your story is like, but for all of us, we have that story of how we met Jesus. And then um, the last one is my life since I met Jesus. My life since I met Jesus. What has happened? The man said, okay, here's my life. I was blind, now I see. Is that simple enough? I mean, that's just, I mean, he's just matter of fact. The Pharisees are trying to get him to get Jesus in trouble. He's like, it's all enough. I was blind, now I see. What is your story? What has changed? And it scares me a little bit when people say my life hasn't changed. I'm like, well, did you, did you really meet Jesus? Because when Jesus... Uh, 
when He saves you, He transforms you. He gives you a new life, a new heart, a new purpose, a new mission. He changes everything about us. The old is gone. We're, 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 the old is dead. We're now new creations in Christ. All of this happens when we put our faith in Jesus. And so really what it means is that we always, First Peter says this, we always need to be prepared to give an answer uh, to, to, to everyone. Uh, and if someone asks you your hope as, your, as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And so I just share all that because this is such a part of our life. And we complicate it. We think, okay, we got to memorize all these verses and we got to memorize this formula. It's just simply telling people about my life before Jesus, how I met Jesus, and what's happened since. It's not complicated. And it doesn't have to be wordy. It doesn't have to be long. Uh, and we want you to be able to share your story. Now, one of the things we, we last week we shared a video from Leah. Uh, we've been filming and we want to do, we've been talking about this as, as our, our leadership team, our elders. That we want to get more testimonies, more stories from within the church to share with you. So we actually filmed several this week. And uh, we're going to show some this morning. We're going to show one story this morning. We've got some more we may share on social media. We may show them in a future service because uh, we've got more that we filmed that we want to share and I love, I don't know about you, but one of the things I love most is seeing how Jesus has changed and transformed people's lives. I love hearing it. It's an encouragement to me because that's what we're about as, as a church is we want to see lives changed by the power of the gospel. So I love this. In this video, you'll get to hear the story of Greg and Jordan, a father and daughter here. So let's watch this. I was raised in church my whole life. Um, my grandpa was a preacher. My dad preached the gospel to church we attended. Um, they kind of set that, all that time in church, set those GPS waypoints, I call them, um, to get, find my way back home. Uh, when I turned 18, went off to college, uh, I decided to try to do things my way, um, follow the world, so to speak. Um, got out of college, I got married. Um, and to be honest, uh, God was not at the center of my life, nor was not the focus, nor was it my marriage. Um, I went through a very bad marriage. Several years I spent trying to make things right, um, to clean myself up before I got back in church, before I give my life back to, back to God. A couple of years after my, my divorce, um, I met another young lady. Um, she is the picture of unconditional love. We um, dated for about six months, got married. Um, we both decided that we wanted to make God the focus of our marriage. We started attending church occasionally here and there, going to different churches. I got invited to Cornerstone. I went on my, by myself the first Sunday. I came back, I told Heather, I said, hey, we need to go to church. I think we'll, it, it, we'll like it, it'll be good for the kids. Shortly after that, I got involved with, um, with one of the small groups at that time. It was a long time doing that discipleship. Um, friends were coming up to me and saying, hey Greg, you've changed. What's happened? You've changed. I didn't think anything of it. I go home one night, I asked Heather, I said, hey, people tell me you've changed. And she said, you have. Um, that's when I first realized that the Holy Spirit was really, really doing the work inside of me, even if I didn't know it. Um, about that same time was when I finally come to the realization, if I can't forgive myself, how can I accept 
God's forgiveness and what he did with his son. Um, 2013 in August, almost a year later from the time I started in the Top Gun attending Cornerstone, I was baptized for the first time in my life. My story, it was just a process, right? I was in the, I was in the gospel, I knew what it was, but I really didn't take it serious or put it at the center, you know, put God to focus on my life. Um, but over time, being in church early on, I really feel like has helped me as I got older. I've been in church for as long as I can remember. Um, and I had heard people talk about salvation and having a relationship with Jesus while I was growing up, but it wasn't until I was nine years old that I really came to understand what those things meant. So when I was nine, I remember being in children's ministry at church one Sunday, and the leader of my class said that Jesus is the only way into heaven. And at the time, that statement really confused me but I really wanted to find out what she was talking about. So I decided to go home and talk to my parents. They explained to me how I'm a sinner and through Jesus, I can have a relationship with God. And I finally understood, but it didn't click with me right away. So I spent the next couple weeks just kind of thinking over what my parents had told me and what I heard about in church. And then finally one night I was laying in bed and it all just hit me. Like, I came to the realization that yes, I am a sinner and I need Jesus. So there in bed, I asked Jesus into my heart and asked him to become my personal Lord and Savior. Over the next few years, I had went on two mission trips to Nicaragua, both of which were absolutely life-changing. I learned so much and grew in my faith a ton while I was down there and I actually had the opportunity to share my testimony multiple times while I've been down there. And every single time I do it, I look forward to it, and it always helps me grow in my confidence with sharing the gospel with others. So since I've been saved, I have faced several challenges in life, especially here recently, I tore my ACL playing basketball back in the fall. And that was really devastating to me because basketball is one of my favorite times of year. So as soon as I hurt myself, I was like, wow, this is it. Like my season's over. And it really took some time for me to finally accept the fact that yes, I'm done, but you know, I'm still gonna make the best of this. So these past several months have um, really taught me what it means to stay positive and to trust in God's plan no matter how tough it gets. And I've also learned how to lean into Him for strength whenever I just feel like giving up. Because I can say that over these past several months, it would have been really easy to just get angry with God and turn my back on Him. But instead, I made the decision to stay positive and then just to trust that He was gonna work everything out. And I can say that he has been faithful and has been walking with me every step of the way. And I have learned so much over these past few months and have grown a lot in my faith. And um, I'm really thankful for these challenges because I know that I can use these things that I've went through and will go through in the future to help lead others to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, we let's see. We I think um, I just love hearing stories of how God is at work. And it's so encouraging to me as a pastor. I hope it's encouraging to you as well 
that there are so many stories in this church just like that. So many stories in this community where we see God really changing and transforming lives. And if you trace it back, it's because someone shared, someone told them, someone cared enough to invest in them and and explain to them the meaning of the gospel. And so I want to kind of close. I want to give you a few pointers here, a few uh, things to think about as we share our faith. Here's one thing. When are people open to listening? Uh, Three things here that I think you'll see that people will really, we can look for these opportunities as we're uh, we're praying and as we're listening and as we're eating and as as we're serving. Look for these three things. First thing uh, is when they're searching. So when uh, when, the, when people are searching, sometimes people are just uh, at a point in their life, they're searching for answers. Um, they're, they're, they're just, they're investigating the claims of Jesus. They're like, okay, I'm, I'm not sure what I believe and I'm really searching. Those p- people, when they're in that phase, will listen. Here's another uh, aspect. It's when they're hurting. When people are hurting, they're open to hear about Jesus. And so we can think about how we can share our story in light of God's story and explain how the gospel can put our broken pieces back together. I love sharing and uh, helping people find hope and even when they're, they're feeling like there is no hope. And then the third thing is when they're experiencing change. Now, there's all sorts of change. You may be moving to a new city or starting a new job or having a baby or getting married or all these changes in life you'll see will often bring people back to church and bring people to a place, uh, to a point where they're open to hearing about Jesus. And so we need to look for these opportunities and be aware. Just as good fishermen, sometimes you're casting and it's just not a good time to fish. Um, but we still keep casting. And then there's times when the conditions are right uh, and we need to take advantage of those. And so those three things, and I'll, I'll give you two final thoughts here. One is that we need to remember that people aren't projects. When it comes to sharing our faith, people are not a project to, to, um, to be conquered or an assignment to be completed. They're people who have real needs, who have real struggles. Um, and, and so don't like, you know, I just don't view them as a project. View them as a person who is created in the image of God and who you can share with on, on, a, on, a, on a level and, and listen and, and serve them. And this, the whole series has been that, how we can be a blessing. Uh, Mark 16 does, though, tell us this warning. In Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, Go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Jesus is telling us in advance, not everyone is going to listen. And we've got to be okay with that. Your value as a person is not based on how successful you are in getting people to respond to the gospel. Your value is being faithful because that's who God created you to be. And so I, I just our job is just keep casting that line out over and over and over again. And then one other thought I'll leave you with is we need to remember that people really do need Jesus. That's what this world needs more than anything. We need hope. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week at Easter. How we have hope, a living hope that can only be found in Jesus. And so no matter what we're going through, we have hope. When it comes to to, to understanding this, we can look at so many problems in our world today 
And I'm, I'm not trying to be um, too simplistic, but the answer is Jesus, right? That's what this world needs more than anything. They need Jesus. And so I, I just want to just, you know, you, you look and we read through Scripture in John 1, 12. It says, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Acts 4.12 tells us there is salvation and no one else God has given no, under, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Romans 10.9 says if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John 3.16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so I want to challenge you this week to look for opportunities to share your story. My life before Jesus, how I met Jesus, and what's happened since. It's not complicated. In fact, I think anyone can do it. And I would encourage you to write it out. To actually go ahead and write it out and, and go through it in your mind and, before, and, and practice it. Just to, and you'll, you'll change it based on the situation, based on the circumstance, based on what the other person has brought up. But if you kind of have that basic outline down, then when you get in a situation where you have an opportunity to share, you're not scared to do it. And so, again, I, I, just, I'm, I, I think this series, I said when we started this series... This is more than a sermon series, right? This is a way of life. This is not just one of those things, hey, we'll just do this series and move on to the next. No, this is something we incorporate into our everyday life that can be transformative from now on for our church and for you as, as followers of Jesus. And I love this because it's so simple. It's taking what we're already doing in everyday life, but doing it with intentionality to, 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 to share Jesus. And so I, I just want to challenge all of us to start really doing this and putting it into practice. And this will not be the last time you hear about how we can bless people. In fact, um, this summer we're looking at doing uh, block parties throughout Galax, uh, uh, the whole area. We're going to be doing some really fun stuff. And so uh, we're going to be doing those on either Saturday or Sundays and Two or three hours at a time, we'll go to the different housing complexes and communities, and we're going to set up and play games with kids and cook and do all sorts of interesting stuff, and we're going to share Jesus. And you're going to have opportunities to share Jesus. And in fact, if you want to sign up, we've actually got our sign-up for help already on our website. If you go to the Church Center app or mycornerstone.fyi, go to upcoming events, you'll see block parties. We're already wanting to get people in, lined up and, and helping with that, even though we don't even have the dates yet, uh, because we're in the planning stages. We're going to be having planning meetings. But these are opportunities. We're going to give you opportunities to share your faith in this community. Um, I want to just challenge you to think about that and pray about it. And, and finally, I'd just say maybe you're here today and you've not had that life-changing encounter with Jesus. Maybe you've just heard about Jesus, but you've never really fully surrendered to him. Today is the day that can forever change your life. And so as the praise team comes back up, we're going to close. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond today. Would you guys pray with me today? Heavenly Father, you have called us to be faithful, to be obedient, to go and tell the world about you. And so, Lord, as you've given us this ministry, you've given us this responsibility, you've given us this, uh, this command, Lord, help us to, to take it seriously. Help us to, to really 
care enough about the people in our life that we tell them who you are and what you've done. Lord, I pray that as we examine our own lives, that we can look back and we can see the the points in our life when people spoke truth and, and spoke love and spoke encouragement and helped us find our way back to you. And I pray we can be that type of a person for the others around us. Lord, we want to trust you that you will give us the words to say when we need to say them and, and give a, put the people in our path when we need to speak life to them. And Lord, most of all, I know it starts when we become followers of Jesus. So if there's anyone here listening, anyone online watching, today is the day that could forever change your life when we trust Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior. We just read that whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And if you call out to him, you confess your sin, you acknowledge your need for him, you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you, you understand that he went to the cross to die to take the punishment that you deserve. He took your sin and your shame and all the bad things you've done and he put it on himself and in exchange he gave you his righteousness. So Heavenly Father, I pray that we would all surrender, we would all trust, we would all believe. Today, Lord, as you work in our church and you work in our lives, would we just be able to worship you and lift up the name of Jesus? It's in the name of Jesus we pray today. Amen.